0: Love Talk Radio I'm going to a city That's set on a hill It's ruler and maker Is the Lord God above Oh, I'm going to a city And it's set on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven There'll be no sorrow there Oh, I'm going to a city at Light for square The
2: gates are made of jazz Hello, everybody! God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also heard on the Rapture Ready Radio Network, which is the network of our sister Jackie Alnor who's our guest today, and don't forget our website, propheticnews.com, our YouTube channel, which is under my name, Susan Puzio, and my book, Seed Faith. Can a man bribe God? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, Matthew seven fifteen says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Yes. And there's there's so many wolves out there today. Yikes. I never thought I would see the day that I was going to see so many wolves. And people are falling for it, which is amazing to me with all the internet we have and all the television we have and everything. And still people are falling for these con artists. But anyway, we are going to try to put a dent into their business practices. Amen. (laughs) So let's bring our guest on. Hi, Jackie.
1: Greetings there, Susan.
2: Yes, greetings. We're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about healing and some of the characters, especially from California, and of course <laughs> California is like its own nation, you know. And Jackie came from California. She was born. She's a California girl. Now, I visited California a few times and before I was saved and after I was saved and we got saved both of us in 1981. So we've been in this for quite a a long time, and we were both children of the 60s, mm-hmm. which some of you younger folk, <laughs> we can reminisce, we'll be reminiscing <laughs> about, mm-hmm. about the days of old, but anyway, it was kind of a special time, I think when we first got saved and I, I was listening to one of those clips from uh, Chuck Smith, which I'm, I'm going to play during this interview. But what, was, what I thought was really refreshing that way back in the seventies and the early eighties, when they were singing, a lot of these singers, of course, they weren't trying to be stars, Christian music stars, or they were really writing worship songs. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And uh, you can tell this one service, this one clip that I I grabbed from... uh, I think it it was from one of Chuck Smith's services there at Calvary Chapel back in the early days, but yeah, it was really refreshing.
1: I know, I know. At that time, there was definitely a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brought so many young people together, and uh, to Chuck Smith, who used to had had been a former Foursquare pastor and. but you know he had denominational problems; he didn't like denominations so when he um came to California, I think he started out in Arizona, but when they came to California and uh started the the Calvary Chapel, it was very it out small but then, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the young people fled or flooded Calvary Chapel because it, they could come in with their with their you know Cut up uh, jeans and their tie dye shirts and barefoot and the guys with dirty long straggly hair and it didn't matter. It was a big saying of Chuck Smith was "come as you are," and people took that seriously. And nobody needed to dress up. Whereas if they would have walked into any of the oh the fine institutional churches there in Orange County, they would have they wouldn't have been granted entrance. And yeah. so. That is why so many. Well, that's one of the reasons why so many flooded to Chuck, but because they could learn the word of God from him, because he taught verse by verse, where all the other preachers in Orange County there were just, you know, preaching, um, you know, with their with their sermons. That you know, uh, what's the term for it? it? It wasn't verse by verse, but. Um, you know, it was a different type of homiletics where they would take a verse and then, you know, give you a bunch of uh, applications to it, but really not teach you the Word of God. They would teach from the Word of God, but they wouldn't teach the Word of God. And that was a big difference. And so, that it was really that revival was a revival for the Word of God, and yeah. uh, and so that's the way it began. And the Holy Spirit moved among the young people. And um, and there were true miracles and the gifts of the spirit stirred up in those places. But, um, you know, then the signs of wonder seekers started infiltrating. And, you know, that's, you know, just the devil's tactic is is when God is moving mightily as he did, then then he will sow in his his. Eleven, and um, so I, uh, unfortunately, those kinds of things happened early on, and and Chuck, you know, was able to weed some of that out, but it took a while. He he was very long suffering. I think I think everybody in those days be, were, and be, and I lived in, near there. <laughs> I live near Orange County, uh, being from Southern California, and several of my friends were involved in the early stages of it, and, you know, I'd laugh at them and call them Jesus freaks, but I, I could see a genuineness. <laughs> it, it's true, though. It was like everybody, love was the big thing. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, it, in the hippie days, everybody was singing about love, yeah, and, yeah. you know, you had, you had John Lennon songs and he was, you know, all you need is love, love, love oh, is all you need. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but these these young people actually demonstrated the love of Christ, and they were maybe in the in the early stages, a little naive and a little gullible yeah. and and yeah. trusting, trusting of everybody. So when when those came in, speaking the name of Christ and trying to divert them from the word into following after signs and wonders a lot of the young people they didn't dare want to question it because you know well really is is in what is it the first corinthians 13 passage on love it it believes all things it hopes all things you know they they took those things so to heart and and just and that brought in the childlike trusting. You know, Jesus says, unless you become a um a child you will in no way see the kingdom of God. Well, that was that was the kind of thing the people who were newly born again absolutely became new creatures in Christ and they were children. And this yeah. is what was so precious about Chuck Smith because you had all of these spiritual children who did need a father figure to help them and 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 hopefully to to keep the wolves away, but again um i think I think that the thing got so huge that that wolves and hirelings snuck in, and um it happened in the first century, and you know it's just the it's just the m o of the devil to do that to try to sabotage. A true outpouring of the Holy Spirit
2: yeah, that's I was just thinking about that before we went on how I was thinking to myself now how do how do people go bad? How do people that they really have a born again experience with Jesus, and then they get a ministry, and then the ministry ruins them, it just totally yeah. ruins them, they get so big. And so it's, it's probably a good idea just to have a smaller church, just to try to keep yourself small. And there's plenty of ministry to go around because how could you possibly minister to the people in, in these large, uh, so-called mega churches, you can't really have personal ministry. And so it's better to keep it small and, uh, to let somebody else if it starts getting too big just let somebody else open up a church somebody you trained because there was there's been pastors in the past that they they told their members that you can't leave this church and start a church within 50 miles of this church
3: (laughs) which was ridiculous
2: yeah but people were doing it they were They didn't want people leaving and going to start their own churches because it it basically became all about the tithes and how much money they could collect. But they don't realize that it, it, it ruins them, this absolute power, and the money, especially the money, it ruins them, so...
1: Yeah, and a lot of them, the church growth movement that came about later in the early 80s, that was trying to teach them a way to get just that. But what they were doing is they were mimicking what was happening spiritually with the Holy Spirit, because when When it did get you know so big for Chuck, he you know some of the hippie friends under Chuck's encouragement would open up little commune houses for the street people hippies to come in, the lamb's house and different ones where the where they would um you know open up their doors to help people who had nowhere to live and stuff like that, and then they would have you know home fellowships and they would gather and they would meet and witness over on the Huntington Beach Pier. And they would go out and 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 uh, to where all the other young people were and hand out tracts. That was the big thing. They really had an outreach and then so many of the home fellowships just developed into churches because the, the the room in the people's homes, they just ran out of room and everybody started flocking to them if there was a gifted teacher. And so that's really how uh, the Calvary chapels branched out. It wasn't an intentional sort of, oh, let me try something over here. It just happened uh, sporadically as home fellowships just grew. And that was because the spirit was outpoured and the people were going where to, to where they could fellowship with one another. And so that's initially how it happened. It wasn't until much later that what the spirit started turned into a formula to follow. And, yeah, and, yeah, and see, and and you know, Jesus doesn't, and the Holy Spirit doesn't give us formulas. These things happen supernaturally, and it just it without any any agendas or 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 desired effects. It's just what happened. You know, you, you start a Bible study and it, and everybody comes in and there was a lot of gifted teachers because really the gifts of the spirit were being so outpoured that there were many that were given by the Holy Spirit, the gift of teaching. And that's just what happened. And it just, it wasn't premeditated meditated It just happened. But because it happened and it made such an impression on the hirelings in the neighborhood, they all yeah. decided to package it and see if they could have the yeah, same outcome yeah, yeah. It, to
2: it too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, That's a good word for it because they decided to package it. Because uh, I'm going to play this clip in a minute here of this uh, clip from uh, Lonnie Frisbee, but and then the music in the church and when it, this video that I looked at on YouTube, and it was so refreshing because you could see these young people. Most of them looked like young hippies. Some didn't. But they were just hanging on every word. They were so hungry. Yeah. And and it was just the word. It wasn't the, the lights and this, oh, so we have to do this for the people. It was the word of God. It was the word of God uh, that drew me in. So I think we have to get back to the word. But let me play this.
0: Conservative Orange County was being shaken by... Hundreds of long-haired kids. My feeling was, dirty hippies, why don't they take a bath? And so one evening, about 5 o'clock, our doorbell rang. And there was John, the young fellow who had been dating our daughter, and with him, a real honest-to-goodness hippie. Long hair, beard, flowers in his hair, bells on the cuffs of his pants barefooted, and John said, Chuck, I want you to meet Lonnie. The meeting between the straight conservative pastor and the street-level evangelist was electric. Smith's comments hint that something otherworldly took place when the two met. And Lonnie extended his hand, and there was such a warmth and love manifested in his greeting. I was caught off guard. There was an instant bond. There was a power of God's Spirit upon his life that was very easily recognized.
3: Mm-hmm. The church is real small at that time. On Sunday evening, there might be 30 people, 40 people on a good night. And Lonnie made a hit. I mean, my parents begged him to come back.
0: Sing along the praise. Come along and sing with us and together.
3: he embodied, you know, at least the image of Jesus, and there weren't five guys like him. There was just Lonnie. He was the guy you looked to, and you said, that's the hippie preacher at Calvary Chapel. The doors blew open at that point, and Calvary grew from about 200 to 2,000 in about six months period, and that was the beginning of uh, what is now history.
2: That uh of course there were, there I, I never really heard about Lonnie Frisbee until you started talking about him. But did you know ever know him, Jackie?
1: No. I I never met him. I know a lot of people who knew him well though, and so I've I've heard all the stories and uh, you know, it. it in particular, one who who Chuck—I don't know if I can—if he'd be happy that I would name him by name—but Chuck kind of assigned him to one of the elders, and so I was—I know that elder very well. He he was a Calvary Chapel pastor for a long time. He's still a pastor, but he left the he he, he left the 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 group, you know, the Calvary Chapel uh, movement when he felt it went south a bit, and so yeah. uh, but anyway but, but he ran one of the commune houses I was referencing and Lonnie moved in with them. And, um, and, and he, he had nothing good to say about Lonnie's um, behavior in, in those early years. He, he, you know, indicated to me that Lonnie was still taking drugs and still all a mess. And even while he was um, involved in, you know, in, evangelism and all of these kinds of stuff and and uh he was he was more of a power seeker and um you know and I and I think he was a, a significant part of the leaven that came in now perhaps again that he not to say that he wasn't sincere but he got caught up in in it kind of I think like Simon the magician who got so caught up watching the the signs and wonders from the apostles and going, "Ooh, I want to buy that," you know. I yeah, I believe yeah. that, that <laughs> that's the way that it happened just from first-hand testimony that I have heard that 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 you know that he he just was unruly because of his drug abuse and, and those things that he didn't put aside. And uh, you know, and it was that particular elder really who um you know, who was assigned to to watch over him because he was always kind of a discipline problem from the beginning. He was unruly, put it that way, but you know, a lot of zeal, zeal with no knowledge. And see, I think that's where the devil can really get to people. Uh, The passage of the sower of the seed talks about the seeds that were sown. I don't know if it was the thorns or the wayside, they, they, they start to grow. And then, and then with the lack of understanding, they walk away and I think that so many of those things happened that was initial zeal and everything and they got caught up in the moment and then when that died down they needed to seek some other thrill and so they sought after those on uh, you know looking for love in all the wrong places Uh, there were were plenty of, of lying spirits to chase after when that's what you were chasing after And I think that describes Lonnie. Um, You know, he was like the first one really to to um, he joined up again with uh, the vineyard with uh, John Wimber, who was also an elder there with Calvary Chapel. And they kind of had to be um, kicked to the curb together when they were, you know, really trying to teach people signs and wonders. You don't teach people signs and wonders. If God gives signs and wonders, great. But if you're trying to see how to make them happen, as if again yeah. they were formula yeah. makers, and yeah. that's and so they would get up there, and Bloni was the first one to start yelling, "More Lord, more Lord!" And you know, oh. started to that's there it was at their hands and all the slaying of the spirit and some of the the more um, unusual manifestations that you can't find in Scripture when those things started happening, and then that. That and that was a big concern to Pastor Chuck, and so they ended up, you know, starting and and following through with their own movement to where, uh, uh, the name of of um, John Wimber's class that he taught at Fuller Seminary Seminary was Signs and Wonders, and he joined up with C. Peter Wagner at that time. So, so in those early days, if you wanted to to find a way to try to make things happen. When it's you making it happen, it ain't God making it happen. But that's really where the divide came in between what the Spirit of God was doing, and there was miracles, and there was healing, and there was words of knowledge and prophecy. There were all those things on the God side of it, and then there was the... Simon the magician side. Let's see if we can do it. Let's follow the signs, and and then they came up with uh, power evangelism. Again, that back to that word power again. Power evangelism. Well, we got to do the stuff, you know, which was yeah. slog slogan, to do the stuff in order to get the people's attention. That's how the apostles got people's attention, as if they were trying to do that intentionally when they were given an unction of the Holy Spirit to say, "Pick up your mat and walk." Uh, none of these guys ever did that, and that's because, again, that when they weren't looking at Calvary Chapel as a formula, then they were looking at the Book of Acts as a formula. And that, Of course, that predated <laughs> Chuck. That came back all the way to the Azusa Street stuff. Oh, let's look at what happened in the Book of Acts and see if we can put that into a formula and get things rolling here. Yeah. That's not how God operates. He operates without man's help. We are the oh, yes, recipients. absolutely. We're the recipients uh, of what he operates. Yeah, and
2: Jesus said, "Don't go chasing after a sign, because you'll find some signs, and it might not be for me either." Yeah, especially when you up. whip them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's certainly enough of that going on because it went from bad to worse to worser. Uh, you, right. It can't get it can't get any worse than it is now, I think, because the state of the so-called church anyway, it's just, it's it's in a ridiculous state now. And so there's definitely going to be a great divide. If they were starting to divide then, and and they were more Mm -hmm. so in the 80s, you saw so many divisions and people separating and uh, how things were changing, and things were yeah, were becoming more formulated. And then there was so much acting and performing, and it they kind of the churches kind of lost their purity and their innocence. Um, uh, so it it really it really did change. But this, um, I was listening to Chuck Smith Jr. Now he's a trip. <laughs> He was. He's so different from his father.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and Chuck Smith Jr. is is one of these that if if when that he saw the Holy Spirit outpoured in his father's church, and I think it impressed him in the wrong way because he he wanted to harness the power and. And he went into a lot of depression when things when that outpouring started to phase out and he wanted to keep things going. And um and anyway, so he started seeking after uh Catholic uh mystics. And yeah. in fact he even went and lived for a while. He he had a Calvary chapel and he put things on hold and went to Big Sur to stay at an ashram and learn from the monks, the Catholic monks. And, uh, and when that happened and, and I was informed about it anyway, it, it's a long story that I don't know if I can recollect the timeline on it, but I did go to, to Chuck and, um, and I, I gave him, all the documentation on what was going on over there, and I said I'm going to, you know, really come out publicly against your son. But um, if if I hear from you, I'll, I'll listen. If you want to talk me out of it, and and he, and even though he knew me, he didn't talk me out of it. And you know, and that's hard because when it's your son. But at the end of it, that caught things rolling to where uh, that. That, that he had to end up stepping Chuck Jr. step down. And I think yeah. Chuck just had a wake-up call. Chuck Jr. had a wake-up call that, hey, I'm not. The, the, the Calvary Chapel distinctives don't apply to me, and so I better do my own thing. But, um, but you see, a, a lot of the, the ecumenism that got in was very 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 dangerous because that's where if they couldn't you know because that outpouring i'm not sure exactly how many years it lasted maybe 10 or 15 and then things kind of kind of leveled out a bit the the people wanted to keep it going even when god wasn't keeping it going god accomplished his purposes in in really reaching our generation really as he did and um and and i believe that was like the 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 final um gathering as, as what i would say and um and now i i really believe it was you know the launch of the era of the church of laodicea that ended up because because it was his really the lord's last blessing on the church of the age of church of philadelphia i'm referring of course to the seven churches in the book of revelation but uh the ones that he said he'll keep from that hour of trial, that was the Church of Philadelphia. The emphasis at, in that outpouring was not only the word of God, but the return of the Lord Jesus. And people have mocked that ever since. And because some people got carried away and started getting into some date setting and stuff. But whenever man gets his hands in things, things can get kind of, kind of messed up. But it really takes discernment, to see through it. And unfortunately people who didn't live through what we've lived through can't put it into the perspective. They can't see the history of it because whatever they're knowing about it is secondhand. But as, as you and I, we watched it unfold. And so, yeah. um, you know, people, you know, said, Oh, well, you know, you can't um, you know, you, all you can do is, 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 is look at what was, Wrote and try to make a honest evaluation of their writings. No, we were there, we thought we can make honest evaluations of what was going on. And that's the yeah, difference that the younger people can't do because they didn't see it going on. They have to list If they're going to read anything, it's going to be testimonies by people such as ourselves who did live through it. You know, read some Dave Hunt, <laughs> read some Roger Oakland. There are people who were there and saw it go from glory to. To mixture to bedlam, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: bedlam is right, yeah, bedlam is right there's there's uh you, you see so much uh of these false churches and and they're just they're just trying to draw people in by whatever it, it, oh there was the guy i have this I have some audio that i took from the chuck jr interview he's on this television program they're saying oh yeah well you know there was there was those people that they wanted they they had they were the jot and tittle people well uh, i i guess that uh, the bible says that so what what are you complaining about oh no you can't be like that you and then they were talking some stupid stuff about homosexuality too that was ridiculous but uh, he talked about the uh, the whole thing with Lonnie Frisbee who, and how he was there with his father and then he went with Bob Mumford and then he came back and then, and then he went with John Wimber but then I think he said he came back to yeah. Well, he calendar. was he
1: was right there, so he I would trust his timeline better than the yeah. second hand I got from being in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, but
2: it, it's it's part of the the uh, healing, the uh, the signs and wonders and the healing. But I'll play this, and this is about five minutes long, so let me play this for the people. This is Chuck Smith, Jr., and he is the son of the founder of Calvary Chapel.
3: Welcome back to the Converging Zone. We get to continue our discussion with Chuck Smith, Jr. on this movement called the Vineyard and Calvary Church Movement. But then we're going to talk about what is
0: happening today in the kingdom of God. Welcome back, Chuck Smith, Jr.
3: Just moments ago, we finished Chapter 1. Now we're in Chapter 2 of our, our time together, this time together. Um, tell us about this whole uh, Vineyard-Calvary connection and then uh, the movement and where it went, and then we'll, we'll move into what's happening today. Okay. Um, as my dad's church was experiencing its explosive growth, and Lonnie had acquired more and more notoriety as being one of uh, the lightning rods for the Jesus movement, he received an invitation from Bob Mumford to join him and to disciple under him uh, for a while, and Lonnie was really drawn to that. He, he uh, loved Mumford. He admired him, uh, believed that God had a strong uh, access to his life, and so Lonnie left Calvary Chapel. Well, I think the general feeling among those of us who, who grew up there was that he had joined someone else's camp. I mean, there, it left us. Yes, yeah, there were strong feelings about it. On the one hand, we missed him. And on the other hand, we, we felt like uh, traitor's too strong a word, but something to that effect. So Lonnie was gone for a while. Things happened in his life. A few years later, he came back and set up a meeting with my dad, and immediately my dad hired him again. Uh, he believed that, you know, Lonnie was called of God, that he was useful in the ministry, and that there was a place in Calvary Chapel uh, for, let's say, more emphasis on the Holy Spirit and people who could work hands on. In, in that regard, with the church. My dad knew he was about Scripture. He knew that, that that's what he had to commit himself to. And he, he did not have the propensity to, well, let me just put it this way. My dad's experience of people who operated in the Holy Spirit from his youth up had been flamboyant. Yeah. And my dad's not a flamboyant guy. Right. So, and Lonnie definitely was. So Lonnie was at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for a while. Not too long before he came back, a church growth consultant for Fuller Seminary, the Fuller Evangelical Association, had connected with Calvary Chapel and had become a Calvary Chapel pastor, and that was John Wimber. And his Calvary Chapel in Your Linda was growing uh, significantly. And John brought to his church his own giftedness in music. He had been a jazz musician. He played keyboards. And he and Carl Tuttle began to write worship songs. Which is the beginning of the vineyard music. Yes. Now, here's something, Robert. You know, Maranatha music and and Christian rock and roll uh, erupted out out of Calvary Chapel. It was happening in other places also, but uh, this was one of the big. You know, uh, meccas for it. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mecca, in fact, is uh, (laughs) the way I refer to my dad's church. Um, But if you went there on a Sunday morning in the 70s or 80s, you would hear a piano and an organ and everyone singing out of hymnals. Calvary Chapel, Your Belinda, it was a band. And they were singing choruses, fresh choruses, choruses that spoke of the wonder and beauty of Jesus and our deep love for him Uh, one visitor from England said it's like they're sitting there singing sweet nothings to God and you have that sense of intimacy in worship and John's message was a message of love and mercy so it really evoked that response of God loves me he's close he cares and um, John decided he wanted to have Lonnie speak in his church and when Lonnie spoke, it was like
2: Yeah, so Were you Did, did you ever attend any of the Vineyard services? Which that, remember? He,
1: yes, I did But before I even talk About that um, What was it? Something that he said um, You know, the whole Thing with Bob Mumford I, I don't know because I wasn't There, but I think that Bob Mumford was more of, of a theologian and a Bible teacher. And I think one that went off the off the way a bit when he yeah. joined with the, what was called the Florida Five and started yeah, the, shepherding the shepherding movement. Okay. Because yeah, the shepherding movement influences got in the mix too, which was very, yeah. very hurt, hurtful to a lot of people. It was, it was really a mess. And for yeah. Lonnie, to get direct. See, I didn't know about that association with Bob Mumford. I didn't know he had left Calvary come back and then joined up with Wimber, but yeah. whatever, like I said, I I could understand um, Chuck thinking, you know, this guy really needs some Bible teaching <laughs> because he was like, you know, an ox in a candy store or a glass shop or something. I mean, he was he was a mess and and I Chuck couldn't corral the guy so for for what for for bob mumford to come in and offer to do that was probably a relief to chuck and then perhaps mumford thought he'd gotten as far as he could with them and chuck got him you know accepted him back and then of course you know but as far as the as what chuck jr said about singing out of the hymnals and stuff on sunday morning that may well be true but however what he failed to say is, I believe it was every Friday night, he'd have all these Christian musicians. There was one, um, Odin Fong, who is a friend of mine, and his, his band Mustard Seed predated yeah. any of the Vineyard music. In fact, they ended up um, starting the Maranatha music. And so, so those all the hippies and the ones singing all their songs, that, was, that really developed in, in Chuck Smith's early Calvary Chapel, but it wasn't on Sunday morning. It was the Friday night gathering or whatever, and, and and the outreaches, and they'd take their guitars. I mean, music was very much a part of early Calvary Chapel, even if Chuck didn't see it sanctified enough maybe to uh, incorporate, incorporate into Sunday morning. <laughs> and I can understand that because he was older and a little bit more reserved, okay? Yeah. So but yet yet the music coming through Calvary Chapel was very big. I mean, um, and I know one thing he didn't, uh, you know, the rumor was, and I'm not sure if it's true. And I think it is true. There's got to be some truth into it. I read it that in some very, like, it, it's been established. He didn't mention that John Wimber uh, was once the manager of the Righteous Brothers back in the 60s oh wow and so he was very much into music and he wrote some songs and um and of course so did jack hayford again That's four square see because and again chuck smith came out of four square because he didn't like the the controls put on anything he did but he still kept the tradition as long as he could of you know not having not having sunday turn into a hootenanny or whatever, but, but he, but, he, you, you know, you were mentioning that, um, that old, I don't know if you saved the clip of Lonnie with Chuck and with Catherine Kuhlman in on the act, but yeah. you could see, you could see that was in the probably late sixties, early seventies. And they, they featured Calvary Chapel's, uh the young people's music. He very much, you know, promoted their music just not Sunday morning. Yeah.
2: Yeah okay, that but it that's came a, out of there. That's a humorous clip to see Katherine Coleman sitting there with all these long haired hippies and Chuck, at first she looks like she doesn't know what to think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well again, but, it's it was the love was the theme. Love yeah. and that was so much the theme of the time and, and that's good but it's gotta be balanced out and I think that's why Bible prophecy really helped us to to teach that that, that God's patience one day would run out and his wrath would be outpoured. So that that emphasis on love and then on the coming judgment, I think that was a healthy balance to grow in for these young people who not, were not raised in church for the most part, everybody yeah. was, you know, part and parcel to the whole um, hippie movement that was going on. Um, I was caught up in all of, on all of that side of it. And, um, you know, before the Lord drew me out of it, but again, back in 81, it wasn't so much hippies anymore. That was more of the sixties and early seventies. And uh, you know, then everybody became yuppies and started, um, Seeking after their their potential, and you know, and yeah, and so it was not Yeah, because you see, truly in the mix was the spirit of the age that, you know, that was happening in in the culture, and that was also happening um, in the false side of the church that were affected by by the world. The, the worldly ones are the ones that really came in and, you know, they, they thought, well, where does Christianity fit in with my pursuit of being all that I can be and purpose-driven yeah. and all of that?
2: Yeah.
1: So, you know, I can't wait till we're all with Jesus and none of that false stuff in the spirit of the age, none of that can creep into our, anyone's thinking because, I mean, everybody's affected by that. I, I None of us are free of that. Um, I know you know i'll I'll still listen to Righteous Brothers' music on occasion, <laughs> oh
2: yeah, well, they had good harmony. there's no doubt about that
1: <laughs> uh,
2: There was some good music back in the sixties, and uh I thought i think I think it was so interesting that even when they had the memorial service for this guy Lonnie frisbee, which for people that don't know who we're talking about, it, he was a a young hippie. He got, he got saved. Uh, I guess it was in the '70s. Maybe he got saved, right, Jackie? I believe so. Yeah. And then he had a pretty good public ministry. I guess he was he he became very popular, and so. He died, I think, in 1993. He wound up dying of AIDS, and right. he had a his memorial service at the Crystal Cathedral, and he had a good turnout, which I was surprised.
1: Well, again, you know, um, he he was he was an active an active homosexual, you know, and um, you know the, the documentary that was made on him. I I shared some of the discussion back and forth that I had with the producer of that and um, yeah well you know he wanted he wanted me to help him with some information on an article and investigative reporting that I did on Phil Aguilar and set free because he was going to be working on um, a video on set free. And I don't think he ever did it. And I wasn't much help to him anyway. I just was referring him to others who had firsthand information. I don't want to be quoted in a documentary with secondhand information. And so, right. and so is is anyway, I Mr. really don't know. I really don't know. But, um, you know, uh, David Sabatino is his name. And, yeah. you know, he like, I, I challenged him on the Lonnie Frisbee thing just because he made contact with me for something else, right? And so I quoted him and I thought, "Well, oh, this is wrong and this I, I'm not sure if this came from, you know, this is this is back wow, what year was this? This is quite a while it was way This is more than ten years ago, but um but I quoted from his documentary and I said to him, quote his, quote his what his his statements uh, Lonnie Frisbee. in fact I think it was on a promo for the documentary on Lonnie Frisbee. and so Sabatino wrote Lonnie Frisbee, the hippie preacher who influenced the early days of Calvary Chapel and the Vineyard Fellowship and died of AIDS gave a twisted view of, of this I'm not even sure what we're talking about but he says speaking of the late Catherine Kuhlman he said it wasn't until her Oh no, that's my introduction to it. Uh, quoting him, and then I'm saying that he they give it he gave a twisted idea of this, and he says quote quote about Calvin Coolman, Lonnie Frisbee said it wasn't until her life in ministry. Oh wait. Take that back. It wasn't Lonnie saying this. It was, the, it was David saying this, the producer. Okay. It wasn't until her life and ministry was destroyed by adultery that God put that miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit from miraculous miracles and the baptism of the Holy Spirit on people. It wasn't until she came to the end of herself that God gave her the gift. And uh, yeah, Kuhlman was Frisbee's greatest role model. Okay, so this is, so, so I, I was citing that and I said to David, I said, that may explain why, why uh, Lonnie could justify prolonged periods of committing the sin of sodomy while at the same time bringing this so-called spirit into charismatic meetings. What does that say about the spirit and gift these two were trafficking in? And then David responds, what does it say that God doesn't renege on the gifts he gives? A question for you when does the tightening of the circle finally exclude you? When does your pride and quick desire to exclude everyone that doesn't live up to your standards become a sin? Doesn't grace suggest there is a wide birth in God's economy? And, and you know, that idea of this wide birth in God's economy, that is the kind of idea that really plays into the ecumenical movement. Like how much of the truth do you have to maintain to be considered part of the body of Christ? Yeah. Uh, and, these are for, and these are for people who promote ecumenism with the Roman Catholic church. Well, they believe, you know, they got there, they got believe in the Trinity, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and so he's saying, Oh, how narrow does it have to be before you're excluded? Well, is uh, the narrow, the road is narrow. <laughs> And I'm yeah. right in the center of the narrow road, so, you know. I didn't sorry write Sorry to him.
2: Well, and so I, thing is okay. You could say, oh, well, yeah, grace, blah, blah, but he wound up with AIDS.
1: I know, and here David is saying, oh, well, you know, he, he had these gifts and they're, they're, God's not going to take them away. Who said the gifts were ever ever the Holy Spirit that Lonnie had? I responded, I said, David, actually, I was writing about God's grace, grace to see us through to heaven in spite of our failings but not allowing us to sin away our usefulness to the kingdom Lonnie did have gifts but he also trafficked in strange fire and counterfeit spirits those with discernment can see where one ended and one began there is no such gift as to make one quiver and shake where's that and oh gosh we went back and forth the, the two of us and, oh yeah he uh, was uh...
2: He was telling you that you were, uh, what, an an agent of the devil? because (laughs)
1: Yes, yes.
2: Well, there is God's judgment, and you can't escape God. There is a penalty for sin. So it's not that you're not trying to uh, give people a break because they they sinned or they made a mistake or whatever uh, in their life. But you can't continue in that sin and expect to get away with it because there is a judgment side of God, he talks about it. So you can't escape that. You can talk about grace all you want and love all you want. But his his penalty, the penalty for his behavior was he died at a at a, a fairly young age. I don't know how old he was, but Yeah, but he reaped 90. what he sowed. He reaped what he sowed.
1: And, so, and and yeah, that's you're not immune to that. But again, for this this producer of the Lonnie Frisbee documentary for him to say that that well that Lonnie Catherine Coleman didn't get the the miraculous gifting until after she committed adultery and all of that oh was that her reward for committing (laughs) adultery I mean uh, you know if she if, if she was in repentance for all of those things I suppose one could be restored but um you know, I, I uh, you know, but, but she did that while she was still claiming to be a believer. See, it's, yes, I mean, is. we all, we all have a past that before we were saved of doing some pretty bad things. And, you know, and, and people have gotten saved me backslide here and there, but God doesn't leave you there for very long. <laughs> you know, no, like you he live, doesn't live that way. Very
2: long. Yeah, exactly. So, but of course, James, who
1: have. Yeah,
2: glamorized so. her life and so oh, yes. he was probably picking it up out of that because when he wrote her uh, biography he, he, yeah. he glamorized yes he, he did and yes and of course he, it was a good book but he was a good writer but uh, he did glamorize yeah I her read life. it yeah
1: yeah, but he but he spoke some pretty honest things about her in fact I quote. Yeah. I quote him Jamie Buckingham in my book The Fleecing of Christianity where he really did uh in fact she didn't like this but he really did speak of her materialistic problems and her love of money. Yeah, and her love of being In the Daughter
2: of Destiny <laughs> that's,
1: that that's the name of the book is Daughter of yeah, Destiny. Yeah, it was a good,
2: it was a good book.
1: Yeah. I think that I was still interesting. Have it. Yeah, I think I still have it.
2: Well, I like yeah. I liked the way he he was a good writer. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I thought he did a good job as far as his writing and yeah, there were some things that I, I he was honest about. Uh, he probably could have gone further, but he liked I guess he liked her so he didn't want to. Sure.
1: Oh yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't tell. He wouldn't tell all give away all all her dirty secrets, but um I I hope her her former her former assistant, who is a who introduced her to Dino Carsonakis, who ended up being her piano man. Uh, anyway, he's got a whole he's told he wrote a I think I can tell you about this and well he's taken so long so I don't care about talking about it but anyway what was his name Bartholomew or something anyway I confirmed he is who he says he is I had a discussion with him he. 20 years ago i guess and he was saying he's telling me some very scary things which i can't repeat in any accuracy because it was too long ago but he said he wrote a whole book and was about to publish it just some of the horrible things that he saw um in behind the scenes with katherine kuhlman and he was her right hand man and anyway his car was broken into and the manuscript was stolen and this was before we had pcs and uh and so uh, and then he was threatened he felt his life was in danger and oh, yeah, he it was <laughs> and so he said that he rewrote it he rewrote the whole thing that they had oh. stolen and taken from him and he rewrote it and and then he said he put it into a um what do you call it a a safety pocket box that only his next to kin has the key to and they're supposed to release it when he dies i guess he's still breathing oh wow. <laughs> So there's more to there's more to it behind the scenes of the character of some of the ones who brought in the error. It's um you know, again, for for Lonnie to continue to being a drug user and a homosexual and, and God supposedly using him during his you know, as as that was happening, or to use uh Kevin Kuhlman while she's committing adultery. Um, you know, when in my in my walk with Jesus, and I imagine most Christians that I've talked to, when we walk away from Him for any period of time, getting into backsliding, the Spirit, you know, departs. I mean, it's like it, we're 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 bring starts bringing conviction instead of uh, instead of yeah, exactly. any, uh, conviction. blessings on us. Yeah, conviction, yes conviction.
2: Exactly. yes, conviction,
1: and that is heavy. A handy. true believer will be convicted. Yes, yes. It's and it's heavy conviction. You can't, you can't be happy in your state of backsliding, no. No. because the because the 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 love and everything you feel feel from God turns into conviction, strong. Strong. And you can't, you can't get away from that, you know, unless no. you totally, you know, commit the unpardonable sin or something, because well, yeah, that's, you turn, God that's will turn what happens. Yeah. But us who are born again understand that he doesn't let us be happy in our sin. If we get caught up in sin after we're saved. No, no. that's not when the blessings are outpoured. That's when the, the conviction comes so much that it, you, you go into the the pit until you repent and come out. <laughs> yeah. back, to the, <laughs> back to the slop
2: bucket, you know, back to the slop. <laughs> I was like, no, but yeah, because, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But it's only a season. And then you're right back in the pig pen. And uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you back. God says he's married to the backslider, so that's pretty strong language right there. And uh, mm-hmm. so I I imagine if he's married to the backslider, it's kind of like a nagging wife.
1: And he's not <laughs> going you know That's right. Yeah, your wife ain't going to talk to you if you're committing adultery on her. And in this case, spiritual adultery. You think your bridegroom's going to be giving you some gifts when you're cheating on him? (laughs) That's a good way to put it. <laughs> but you know what? I the, the Lord I I believed I really was looking at this scripture and I think this puts things in perspective as far as, you know, the accusations that we can't judge and all of that. That uh, you know, like this guy was he was throwing at me. Um but it's in Second Thessalonians, um in the let's see what chapter we in. Second Thessalonians five the end of 13 and, and all of 14, be at peace among yourselves. That's how this sentence starts out. And then he says, now I, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. And see, there's some things in there that people would say, yeah, yeah, comfort the faint hearted. Yeah, do all that. But the very first one was warn those who are unruly. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's what we try to do. Is okay yeah. if 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 you're getting off the track, we're supposed to help our brethren when they stray. And in fact, we 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 just work kind of with the Holy Spirit, bring conviction on them. <laughs> you know, yeah, because exactly. we have we have to warn the unruly. We can't just say, oh yeah, go about follows follow this crazy guy that's going to lead you into lying signs and wonders. That's pretty unruly. And if we just keep our mouth shut and says, oh you know. It's, it's good for them, but not for me. <laughs> you know, the lukewarm will do that. That's what the lukewarm do. The lukewarm that Jesus spews out of his mouth will ignore any exhortations or warnings or, or, or exhort, exhorting the unruly. They would say, oh, you can't judge, you know. And yet all of that is, is, is followed from his statement to live at peace among yourselves. So that brings peace among yourself to re- to exhort the unruly among you. Um, that's where we're, you know we're not supposed to judge. The outside world's already judged, but do you not judge among yourselves in yes. order to um, in order to strengthen them really? Because that does strengthen the un- unruly and the faint hearted and 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 uh, um, you know and you know like I say I can't say enough good about about Pastor Chuck Smith except that he he was very he really operated in love and it was it was like goes against his nature to even think any you know to think badly of anybody (laughs) even when the person is bad. That you know
2: even when it's right in front of you.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean what time did he um No, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I was just saying, one time we had a booth at a Calvary Chapel conference, I can't remember which one, and and Chuck was there, and Chuck came up to our volunteer, uh, Roger, and he said to him, he looked at our Christian Sentinel, and he goes, yeah, he says, you know, I really praise God for ministries like this, because this stuff is, it's really necessary For, you know, that that God has raised Bill and Jackie to expose this stuff, he says, because if I did that, I would be accused of sheep stealing. So I like ministries like this that do that because as a pastor, it it just, you know, it, it creates a whole lot of difficulties, Yeah, you know. Because it's, I, I guess what he's saying is if he were the one that was to blow the whistle on Wimber and Lonnie, everybody would say, ah, oh, you're just trying to cause division. You know, it would turn into, uh, he, he was trying to keep the peace, but by letting other people do the rebuking and exhorting. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and everybody. Then, and then what happened. Art. Yes, but look what happened because of that. His own son got into the weird stuff. Yeah. That's what, that was the fruit of it. You lost Chuck
2: Jr. to it. Yeah, why, now, that's not the only parent that that happened to. Okay, you have Chuck Smith, you have Ed Young Jr., you have uh, Charles Stanley's son that's gone off the rails. So what Mm -hmm. happens to these kids? Is it that their fathers don't spend enough time with them because they're too busy with the church? Is it that they rebel because they're the pastor's son? I don't understand how they wind up the way they do.
1: Oh, I know. I know. And, of course, you know, we can't fully understand it, though I know some of the dynamics are. In fact, I've heard Chuck Jr. even complain. I might have been in that documentary that he couldn't, that he had that his dad was uh spread too thin didn't have much time for them that was one of the complaints a complaints against his father and and you know you look at someone like charles stanley his church is huge and so i doubt if he if if he again he's never come out against the teachings of his false teaching andy you know andy stanley he he won't do because again a father's love if, if you're you know if you if you're So much in love with the whole body of Christ is one thing, but when it's your son, you sure don't want to come out against him. But I will say when I was coming out against Chuck Jr., I gave Chuck Sr. the opportunity to uh, discuss it with me, and I let him know what I was about to do before I did it. And that's when I went and I picketed Chuck Jr.'s church and had some – and handed out uh, some – some flyers with information against, uh, you know, while your pastor is up there, you know, with the with the Catholic monks at the hermitage, he's bringing this false teacher here, and I gave all the information about the the pro gay false teacher that was taking his place while he was there, and um, and handed it to people, and and uh, I had some of the, I, I, this one girl was trying to. Trying to start a fist fight with me as I was handing these things out to the people coming and going. I stayed on the sidewalk so I could hand because it was a hot day. People had their windows down, and I was handing the tracks to people coming and going. And I was on the public sidewalk, and this girl tried to come out and beat me up. Yeah, yeah. One of the ones who worked with for Chuck. Okay, Chuck. Yeah, Jr. peace and love,
2: peace and love. <laughs> it's like you were saying about this guy that writes the book about Catherine Coleman, he has to be afraid for his life.
1: And that's how these
2: people operate. That's how they operate.
1: Yes. I understand, you know, a lot that, uh, you know, came against TVN or Benny Hinn, you know, some pretty scary things would happen to them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. They're too big to fail, too big to muck with. Yeah. Well, it's pretty obvious to
2: the, uh, to most people anyway, what they're doing. And, uh, Okay, there might be some things behind the scenes people know, but it was like the years ago, this, um, I can't remember the the man's name right now, but there was a man that wrote a book, an expose about Oral Roberts. And it was, I think it was, give me that primetime religion, something like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was beat up. He actually was beat up
0: Mm. and wound
2: up in the hospital when they found out he was going to publish this book, well he's not saying who did it. But wow. you can just imagine. So why what makes these people so violent? They're they're afraid of a book but they're not afraid of God. The God that they talk about all the time. They're not afraid of God. No. They're afraid of a book or somebody uh, publishing mm-hmm. something negative about them, but I, if I was them, I would be more afraid of God than really? I would be afraid of me or you or some, or some author out there. But anyway, it's interesting what goes on today. And uh, but you want you, you want to be able to speak out, like you said. We're we're trying to help people, and so. Hopefully, maybe some of these people will get the message. Instead of, they want want to call you haters, and they want to hurt you, they want to do you bodily harm, and uh, things like that. So, But ultimately, we want to tell people the truth of what's going on so we can help the body of Christ. If we're not in this type of ministry to hurt people, that's for sure. They're already hurting people They're hurting people by Their false doctrine And taking advantage of God's sheep Shearing the sheep over And they have no love For the sheep at all Because for the most part It's just all about the money and the fame And that means more to them Than anything But let me play this I'll play this second clip It's about almost four minutes long Of uh, Chuck Jr. here
3: Uh, monsoon hit and what happened is john then hired lonnie and away from your dad basically well it, it was all amicable we were all in the same club at the so time it
2: was calvary at the point yeah. exactly
3: and my dad could see the you know the sense of that uh, everyone was good with that uh, and lonnie brought with him though a freedom that he had with John and his church that he did not have with my dad. Like, what Lonnie did in my dad's church was relegated to an afterglow, which was a meeting after the main meeting, apart from, you know, yeah. everything else. And in John's church, he had more freedom to exercise his, his giftedness. In the main core of the meeting. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what happened is John's church became more and more charismatic and it began to make Calvary Chapel pastors feel uncomfortable. You know, we're, we're not about that. You know, uh, we subdue that sort of thing. And eventually... Or control it, right? Or try to... Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, keep a lid on it. Keep a lid on it, yeah. Um, so eventually it led to a rupture between Calvary Chapel Your Belinda and the Calvary Chapel movement. Not a total rupture because there are a lot of Calvary Chapel guys who were being mentored by John and were growing with him and were learning with him. And, you know, personally, um, I was one of them, and I received a lot from John and Carol. They had uh, a depth in terms of the moving of the Spirit, which was, was beautiful. You know, here, here it is. I was raised Pentecostal, and Pentecostals from the beginning of the 20th century were lower-class movement. So I grew up with this inferiority complex, you know, and and John, when he spoke about the Holy Spirit, he was able to bring this understanding with him that was, I'll just say, more intellectual and answered more questions rationally regarding the Holy Spirit than had ever been presented to me before. So, you know, it just bowled me over. You gravitated to it. Absolutely, and to him. So um, Ken Gullickson, who had come out of Calvary Chapel, moved up to Santa Monica, started the Vineyard, had several churches up there. Um, after the rupture between John's Church and, and Calvary Chapel, um, Ken said, "I want to hand the Vineyard over to you, John," and that was the birth of Vineyard Ministries International. And then you had two movements growing up in you know the same county, and both of them literally reaching the world, which I think is wonderful, but both my dad and John Wimber later came to say they regretted the split. They both uh, uh, respected each other, and they got together, and they both agreed it probably didn't need to happen. And I think if it had not happened, it would have been healthy for both because I think it would have been good for the vineyard had they remained tethered to the scripture the way you know calvary chapel held their feet to the fire yes but what does the bible say you know you may be seeing fireworks but explain that according to scripture whereas calvary chapel needed that infusion of the spirit and worship that brought to life the scriptures right so the meshing ultimately would have been a very good thing but in the midst of it god still used absolutely god still uses
1: no, so what hmm. do you think
3: about that, Jackie?
1: That's that's that makes me sad because um, of 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 the outcome of it because it was really John Wimber's association with C. Peter Wagner that yeah. brought him in with the Kansas City False Prophets and some of the worst things happened under the leadership of John Wimber. Um, you know that that Chuck did. Uh, you know, if he says they both regretted the the split, they probably both look back on it and say maybe they could have been nicer here or something, but I don't think – I don't believe for a minute that Chuck Smith would um, – would have wanted those things to go on yes they did do the afterglow afterwards that's true and that's because chuck smith wanted the teaching to go forth and didn't want it interrupted by people shouting out with a tongue or a prophecy and disrupting the meeting he wanted to as the scripture says do all things decently and in order and so that and john wimber didn't want the decent and in order stuff he 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 welcomed uh bedlam so uh and so then that Ended up um, again. One of the Vineyard people was Randy Clark, was one of the pastors of the Vineyard, went out in St. Louis or wherever, who yeah. is seen, seen as the one who really started the whole holy laughter stuff. And it got oh. so crazy because there was no controls over it. Oh yeah, he met up with Rodney Howard Brown. Actually, Rodney Howard Brown was getting things started, and Randy Clark brought it into the Vineyard. And so oh. then it got, and then between the Kansas City prophets and John Arnott, uh, Randy clark and these guys it got to where you know people were you know clucking like chickens and slithering like snakes and yeah. uh, having you know getting getting frozen to the floor and all kinds of horrible lying evil signs and wonders started happening and it got too much for um for john wimber and John wimber gave them built this monster because he told everybody go ahead and prophesy you know uh it, it, it you know, baby prophets get messy, so you can't expect every prophecy to be true that comes out of the prophet's yeah, mouth, but yeah. just let them, let them go at it because, you know, we don't want to quench the spirit, So, yeah. uh, but don't take it too seriously because you know, most of it's going to be wrong anyway, but go ahead. And so yeah. John Wimber, when that was the way that he ministered the lying signs and wonders and all this kind of stuff, he built this monster that he then couldn't control with the with the stuff going on at the airport. You know uh, Toronto Vineyard, and so he ended up just kicking them out. Yeah, so oh. he kicked them out, and to this day, these guys are not, and, and Randy Clark and all these guys are totally in thick with the NAR movement, the New Apostolic Reformation that was really uh, the one at the head of that, of course, was C. Peter Wagner, who's now gone. Yeah. But anyway, that that um, so 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 the right thing happened with Chuck Smith. And um, and the and the lying spirits that had gotten in followed Wimber and Lonnie, and and so yeah. and, for, and so the teaching ministry and the prayers for healing and the and the operating in 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 the gifts the way the Bible tells you to continued at Calvary Chapel while the legacy went out there, and then. Um, and then, you know, now the Calvary Chapel movement isn't what it used to be. I guess people say these things don't survive their, their founders, you know, look at the Methodist church today. And, you know, John Wesley would, his yeah. dust would fly around in his grave if you know, if he knew this was going on. So, yeah. uh, and, and there, and the you United know, Methodists is having a big split now. And the Calvary Chapel had a big split. A lot of people after Chuck died just disassociated. So um Anyway, love, peace, and love. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's, and, and yet anyone who would question it, it always says, do not judge. I was just warning some lady online the other day because she was promoting, she put, she was promoting Bethel and saying it was something wonderful. And I said, hey, have you checked it out here? It's a, it's a dangerous group. And she got, oh, who are you to judge? Okay, well, fuck. <laughs> I said, I said, if you would do more judging, you wouldn't fall into a, a dangerous group like this. Now, would you?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got, it's, that's it. That you. It's like Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So, what kind of fruit are these organizations bearing? And it, just when you think about it, too, John Wimber, of course, he wound up with I think he had th- brain cancer, or throat cancer, one of those. He had a terrible. Oh, Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was bad. And and I mean, that 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 could have happened either way. I mean, people do get cancer. Um, Chuck Smith had a lot of skin cancer problems. But, you know, one thing as far as this judging goes and people, you know, who are doing these lying signs and wonders and we're not supposed to judge them back to the Matthew seven passage in verse 21 Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven for many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, or in another version, you commit iniquities. So, if the wicked are doing these things, that doesn't mean that those things don't happen. There's not, that's not to mean that true healings haven't happened. And, uh, you know, even in one of these people's meetings, because they did all these things in his name and he honored his name and many. even truly were healed at a Katherine Kuhlman crusade or even a Reiner Bonkey crusade. What matters is what are their, what are they teaching? What is their teaching? Is it, is it, is it wickedness? It, and that's the fruit is also false teaching is, is a bad fruit. And of course, Bonke, who died recently, um, you know, he, he seemed to start out right in everything, but he really got caught up with the wrong people. In his, it, it, his yeah. the, the the man who has now taken over his ministry upon his passing, you know, graduated from the Brownsville School of Ministry in Pensacola, Florida, which was you know, uh, uh the ones with uh, um, oh, what is it, Carl? What are those guys named from Carpenter Home Church? Anyway,
3: Strader, oh, or yeah.
1: yeah, and they're the ones that brought Rodney Howard Brown
3: into yeah. that
1: church and brought a lot of this garbage in and yet that a guy from that fruit from that work of that group is the one who has now taken his place so you might have been healed in a Reinhard monkey crusade because jesus honors his name and i'm not saying and Ronald monkey might well have been a, a a servant of the lord but he got in with some that were very evil and whose works were awful. But again, maybe he was like Chuck Smith, just too too nice and full of love to to, to judge anybody, <laughs> you know? Because well, you know, Jesus didn't say they didn't cook, they didn't do these things. They did them, but he said he never knew them. In spite of that, yeah,
2: exactly. But the thing is, what happened? I think too. Of course, I'm just surmising this, but what happened to Reinhard Bonnke is. He might have started out right with a pure heart and he he loved doing evangelism and and he went to these countries which people didn't really want to go for any long periods to the countries he was going to. And then he got mixed up with, with the wrong people. Yeah, he went for the fame. He started getting famous and he started getting rich. And I think it ruined him. I think it's so important that these people if if they really have a heart for God and they really say that they speak out against the false prophets and the false teachers and the money changers, they have to take a stand for the truth because as soon as they start compromising, really, they lose their credibility so uh and I think they lose
1: sense. the I think they lose the real power of the Holy Spirit because because yeah. of it because they quench the spirit by operating with those who are operating with a lying spirit, with the unclean spirit. Yeah,
2: it's true. We don't see enough of the men, especially standing up and saying, we're not going to tolerate this kind of thing anymore. We're not going to tolerate the miracle selling and uh, making Jesus like he's God, the father and Jesus like they're, uh, two people sitting up in heaven waiting for the money bucket to pass by so they could put it in their lap and count it and throw it up in the air and shout with glee. It's like enough already. Mm. So we need more people speaking out. And these and these people, they, I was in the word of faith movement. I love God. I know that there was people in, in, there are people in the movement that really love God. Eventually you have to get out of it when you start seeing what it really is. When you start realizing what it really is, but and there needs to be more people taking a stand, whether they're going to get meetings, whether they're going to get offerings, whether they're going to have a big church or whatever, they just whether they're going to be invited on TBN or Daystar or what. Just
0: hmm.
2: say, no, we're not going to tolerate it anymore, but you don't see that many people, especially people that have a large audience, you don't really hear of them taking a, a stand against all the heresy and the heretics like they should because they love that money
1: <laughs> yes but now it's really changed the whole look of, of Christianity to the yeah. onlooking world yeah, and, you yeah. know, and that's the saddest part especially when at a time like this our own president can't see through it and he has the he likes can. of a Paula White uh, fleece fly and woman, the best of them all for fleecing the flock of gods with false pretenses. You know that's his spiritual advisor, and everybody who wants every Christian evangelical or whatever who wants to get close to the president has to go through Paula White to, to get to her. her. And so, what yeah. do they have to do to Paula White? They better not rebuke her for her false teaching. They better they better kiss the hand that feeds them, and so they do. In order to get they to do. the president, yes. The,
2: but yes. that's the, that's the, that's the thing. When I think about it, I think here's the president of the United States. He's running this country. He's got all these things that he has to think about and he has to do. And then he has this kind of a dopey woman around him. It's like, what is wrong with you? Doesn't anybody? Yeah. I, I thought they're supposed to vet people when they go to work in the White House, but. You can't even make it up You can't make it up She hasn't stopped her fleecing She doesn't stop for one minute Her conning and her And her fleecing even though she's got this Position and then uh, Just recently they brought all These worship leaders over there to The White House well I was thinking to myself Now why would they bring Why would she bring all these worship leaders There I'm sure he likes to be around Christians Because they love him and and yeah. uh, there's some, there's probably some good Christians that come and go through there, and he can feel their love, and uh, he probably feeds off of that, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, I know why she invited Hillsong, uh, Brian Houston. I know why she invited them there, because she wants invitations. She wants invitations for her. And she's uh-huh. trying to promote her husband as a singer, which he can't sing a lick. Oh, please, it's like stop singing already! <laughs> help, please, don't sing anymore. And so, yeah, that's why she invited all those worship leaders. to a good invitation. So, please, mm. Lord,
1: stop this. It's yeah, right, well, she's you know, using she's using that to her own advantage, for sure. Of course she is. Of course she is. And and. uh,
2: but it's a whole it's the whole setup of the Antichrist and the false prophet ganging up together. And you can see the handwriting on the wall. It's just it's before us. Because of all the yeah. good people and there's there's people, there's good Christian, solid people that he could have as an advisor that wouldn't want the publicity, that wouldn't care if their scene or their picture gets taken with the president or whatever. They just want to minister to him. Can there just be somebody that doesn't come out and say, I'm I was with the president, could there just be somebody that goes to him and ministers to him and can be a friend to him without wanting their
1: name to be known? Mm, there's yeah, probably is. such people, but again he, you know, maybe Maybe because, you know, Trump himself is very flamboyant and, and he, was, he grew up at uh, what is it called the Collegiate Marble Church or whatever with um, his pastor was Norman Vincent Peale. And so Peale was all about money and flamboyance and everything. I, I love what Walter Martin used to say. We say, well, the Apostle Paul is, Paul is appealing and Peale is appalling. <laughs> but, but but that that was his pastor growing up and so he had bad foundation in the first yeah. place so that's why he can't see through it i think i don't know i i said it's, it's definitely a blind
2: spot i mean it like didn't you ever watch her tv program like, didn't, <laughs> i i was going to play a clip And we'll do it. We can do another show about this in the future. Where she says, "Send me a Passover offering because it'll help cure your cancer." Uh If he he would listen to that, what would he
1: think? Stop! So yeah, we had too much information put aside on too much on this show that we didn't get to half of it. So yeah, we'll have to put them aside for the next time.
2: Yeah, there's a lot, but uh, I thought it was interesting. I I really like that whole history of the Calvary Chapel that, and then what happened with uh, Wimber, because that was a big healing movement. Uh, John Wimber had oh, when, yeah, he, well, when he hooked up with C. Peter Wagner. So yeah. We'll yeah, they, they taught it.
1: Yeah. They taught it by formula.
2: Yeah. They taught it by formula. Well, I know for myself when I need a healing, it's okay. I like my friends to pray for me, but I know that the only person that's going to heal me is jesus, so totally some some healing evangelist is not going to heal me. only Jesus is going to heal me, so it's better to learn how to get what you need from the Lord. He's the healer for anybody out there that needs healing. Benny Hinn doesn't have any special powers uh The rest of them out there, more thriller than the rest of them, they don't have any special powers. Jesus is the healer, and he can heal you. He can heal you. So that's the message that we're going to leave you with today, is that if you need healing and you're suffering, cry out to the Lord to help you. Have your friends lay hands on you. And trust God. That's all we can do, and that's the best thing we can do, really, because we can't go running after some man or some woman to heal us. They can't. Oh, I realized when I was in the Word of Faith, I couldn't heal anybody. I couldn't heal myself. So <laughs> there was nothing. Okay, I I didn't have any healing power. The healing power comes from God. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, Jackie, another great program. Very informative. I'm sure everybody learned something today. And we'll do another program on the uh, fake, fake healing, real healing. What is it? And then, So God bless you. Where can
1: people find you, Jackie? Oh, they can go to ChristianSentinel.com and find me on Facebook. Just under my name, Jackie Alnor, and send me an invite, and I'll accept you. And you'll—they'll be—you'll be their friend. <laughs> I'll, I'll be such a good friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, Christian Sentinel—it's a great Christian magazine, newspaper, terrific articles, great writing, and uh, Jackie's a good writer. So you'll you'll enjoy her articles and her book. I know she wants to update her book, The Fleecing, The Fleecing of Christianity. So we'll look forward to that, too. All right, Jackie, we'll be talking soon. God bless okay. you. Okay,
1: look forward to it. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. All right, everybody, that was a great program today. And we thank God for uh, Jackie. And she's been doing this kind of work for so long. Oh, yikes, what, over 30 years, I think, apologetics and her investigative reporting. So she's she's got so much information. We can just talk to her for hours. And uh, I hope that somebody got helped. But the most important thing today is remember, no matter what you've done in your life, and all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have a Savior that loves us, Jesus Christ. And he came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He walked on the earth for 33 years. He, was, he died on the cross. He gave up his life. Nobody killed him. He gave up his life willingly. And uh, he rose from the dead. Remember, he rose from the dead. Remember, he rose from the dead, and he went to heaven in a body. And he said, where I go, you can be also. He's there. He's alive. He's a living God who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Repent of your sins today. Ask God to forgive you. No matter what you've done, he will forgive you. No matter what anybody else says
0: or does or tells you about your past,